Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, February the 4th, 2023. It is currently 9 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I know it's Saturday night, and this is not the typical time you would probably have a class, right? You probably don't have a Bible study exercise class at 9 p.m. in the evening, but that's when I'm calling class. To, I'm saying class is beginning at 9 p.m. this evening. Well, we, we don't have normal school hours here, right? For the Bible study exercise school, we go live whenever. So class is in session at 9 p.m. on a Saturday evening. I know that means most of the students won't be participating live, but that's okay because this may be more for the teacher than it is for the students. This may be more for me than it is for you. But if you are participating, hopefully this will be beneficial. I have a feeling that you may not, I have a feeling that many will not perceive this to be very beneficial, but I, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up in any way, shape, or form. So we will see how far we can get this evening. And I'm, I can almost guarantee you I'm going to be talking about this tomorrow at church. So you may hear some of the things the same. You may hear me repeat some things, but I, I, I hope that somewhere in the midst of all of this, something will be proven to be beneficial. If, if for some reason you're brand new, well, welcome to the class. Right, you can you can have a seat right here in the front because most most of the students are skipping tonight. So you can you can move right to the front of the class. There you are. This is the Bible study exercise class where I try to get you well off your couch to a table with a notebook, a Bible, reference tools, and try to get you to actually study the Bible for yourself. That's what we try to do here, and we have curriculum. I give you homework, and right now we are in, in, in the middle of a study on the subject, on the topic, on the theme of discernment. People in the class are working on a word study method of discernment, and hopefully that is going well. But while that is going on, and I, and I, I realize that I've made this mistake. I know I, 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 I knew this was going to happen. See, there was, there was a part of me. Okay, now just remember, I'm going to be using this kind of as an illustration, right? There was a part of me that said, you know what? Don't do it. Don't give them the word study method. Don't do it. Don't just avoid that. And let's just work through the text that the curriculum gives us each week. Just have everyone work on that and discuss that. Because if you, if you give them the word study method, Everyone's going to be preoccupied with that, and they're not going to be focused on the text for each week. And I made the decision, no, 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 no. No, this will work. I mean, because the word study method, yes, it's it's intensive, but yeah, I mean, we, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. And well, <laughs> the, the, it's obvious that I did not have, now wait for it discernment. I did not perceive. I did not see. I made a wrong judgment. I did not use the the facts given to me. I, I didn't see what was obscure. I didn't see what I should have seen. I missed it and I made a bad decision 
because, well, my discernment was off. I thought somehow they'll be doing the word study, but then every week everyone will be like, okay, so this week we're looking at Genesis chapter 3, and this week we're looking at Acts chapter 2, and this week we're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, and and then this week it's Exodus, I believe, 34. It's like, okay, yes, and I and here's what I got from these passages of Scripture. But I can understand everyone's over here focusing on discernment from a word study perspective. Makes perfect sense. I did not use discernment. I messed up. And so here we are. I have been focusing more on the curriculum. That's what I've been working on. And the curriculum has proven to be very challenging. And this is what I was hoping would occur. This is what I was hoping. I was hoping some very dedicated student would message me and go, hey, um, the curriculum is kind of giving us this idea that for as a Christian, our discernment is based off, number one, the word of God, number two, what brings conviction, number three, what is somehow comes from faith, and number four, what is in line with God's character? In other words, it's not the, the curriculum is giving us this idea that we do not discern just based off God's word. We discern based off God's word, and then we are, we discern, okay, what is right and what is wrong? Well, if it leads me to being convicted, then it's wrong. If, if, if I feel convicted by it, then it can't be right. It can't be right. If I feel any conviction by it. Okay, now, um, what do I do? Well, which requires faith? Which, should I drink this bottle of water or this bottle of water? Well, this one's marked poison, so clearly that requires more faith. Okay, I'm being a little extreme, but basically the idea, which requires more faith? If it requires more faith, that's the thing you do. That's the direction you go. And then, wait, what is in line with God's character? In other words, making discernment as a Christian is not just based off Scripture alone. It's based off these other factors, do you feel a little bit of conviction? Well, that can't be right. Don't do it. Wait, does that require faith? Okay, then do it. Wait, is that in line with God's character? And so it becomes, dare I say, a more mystical pursuit. It's based off feelings. It's based trying to perceive this or perceive that. And today someone was telling me a story that was crazy where they had to make um, kind of a, a major financial decision. Who was going to help them with this financial issue? And they basically used kind of a mystical, charismatic kind of, okay, I'm going to look for kind of a sign. And well, the sign happened and they're like, well, I'm not going with that person who was clearly the more qualified. They went with someone who wasn't as qualified and it led to all kinds of financial issues. And it's like, that's, and I've heard those kind of stories all the time where Christians try to make these they, they try, they say they're using discernment. They're trying to make a decision, but it's based off these really shaky concepts. Now, what I could have done is I could have spent this time going, hey guys, the curriculum is wrong. 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 But what I decided to do, and I don't know if anyone caught what I was doing, Without really just trying to focus on, hey, the curriculum is wrong because I strongly disagree with it. And you may say, well, then why do we use it? Because it, it, it forces us to see a different perspective, which makes you a better student in my estimation. But here's what I wanted to do. This is what I've been trying to do. And, and, and I think some of you have caught on to what I'm doing, but I wanted to take the curriculum where they're kind of creating this idea. Let me try to express the curriculum's idea again. All right. 
Here's the idea. Discernment. Every Christian needs it. If you don't have discernment, you end up in disaster. That discernment comes from, number one, God's word. Number two, now it's it's what brings conviction. It's this other thing. It's outside of God's, it's a feeling. I feel conviction. Well, it can't be right. Okay, which requires faith? And then what is in line with God's character? That's what they're giving us. I wanted to take those ideas and say, you know what? I'm not gonna go with the way the curriculum wants to do it. What I wanna do is take these concepts and how do we connect them to discernment, but from discernment from what I believe is a biblical understanding of discernment. And my perspective on discernment is very simple. It's very clear. As a Christian, my discernment is based off the word of God alone. Spiritually speaking, that's where I get my discernment. Now you could talk about, and, and we'll put, let me state it this way. My discernment, as far as what God's word speaks of, outside of what God's word, if, in other words, if something is like, which house do I buy? Which, which town do I move to? Those kinds of things. I don't, I don't try to turn this into some kind of mystical, okay, I got to listen for God or I got to figure. No, I, I make those based off the best information that I have available to me, right? Now, obviously, if, if, if there's something that would, you know, Hey, you could buy this house and we'll, we won't report this and we won't report this and, and we're going to do all this shady stuff and we're going to do something illegal. Well, then clearly God's word would come into play there because God's word would tell me not to be breaking the law or doing these kinds of things. So obviously God's word would come into play there. I'm saying that our discernment is based off God's word alone. And with God, with God, if God's word doesn't give us any specific direction about a situation, then we don't get into all this mysticism. Let, let me make it simple. Who should I marry? I don't believe it's some mystical idea. If we look to scriptures, what's the, what's the information we get? Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's about all, all the God's word has to say about that, right? Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. If they're a believer and you're a believer, then I don't look for some, oh, mystical this and mystical that and mystical this and I think this and I thought, no, that, that's when, that's when it gets all convoluted and crazy. And that's when Christians constantly say, oh, God showed me, God, my, you know, my discernment. And I'm like, you're not using discernment. You're using some mystical feeling thing to figure it out. Go to God's word. What is God, does God's word, does God's word have anything to say in regards to this situation? If it does, follow them. If God's word does not give anything other than maybe a basic principle or basic concept, then what do you use? You use reason, logic, information, truth. You, you make those kinds of decisions. Now, I think in every, in every way, at every, everything, whenever we're trying to use discernment, I think God's word comes into play and in everything to some level, but only to a certain level. And what we've done is, well, God's word will give me some basic things. And then we turn it into all of this. Well, wait a minute. Do you feel conviction? Wait a minute. Which requires more faith? Wait a minute. And, and it, we just start adding and adding and adding where it becomes a very subjective thing. And we need to get back to discernment is based off God's word. So this is how it should work for a Christian. Whatever we're trying to discern, right, wrong, what should I do here? What should I do there? What does God's word have to say in regards to the situation?
And we got to be very careful not to try to find a scripture and make it say something about a situation which it doesn't actually address. It's got to be very open and honest. What does God's word has to say? Now, listen, we may discern what's right and wrong and still do wrong. Discernment is not a guarantee of doing right because clearly we have a sinful nature and we're going to do wrong continually in some way, shape, or form. That's just the reality if we if we want to admit that. So we, we need to get back to a discernment that flows from God's word alone. So here are the, the words I want you to write down. I want you to write down discernment. I want you to write down conviction. And I want you to write down faith. And I want you to write down the, the phrase God's character. Discernment, conviction, faith, and God's character. Now, how can we connect all of those to a biblical understanding of discernment? And a biblical understanding of discernment, let me state it again, is where we go to God's word and look to what God's God's word has to say in regards to whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're trying to do. What does God's word have to say? End of story. We don't add, we don't subtract. And we're like, that's what God has to say about the situation. The end. And if God doesn't give me any more specific information, I don't create some subjective test to try to figure it out. I'm just like, I'm going to obey what God has revealed in his word. And outside of that, then I have to just make rational, meaningful decisions that are not violating clear scripture. It's not some subjective feeling kind of thing. And too many Christians play into that game. And I've watched people make just crazy decisions. I've I've told the story a million times, all right? And I'll, I'll just mention again. When I was in my first Bible Institute in Papillion, Nebraska, Man, it, it was so frustrating because here's men who had there's men who had careers in the military. They had health insurance. They had all these benefits. They had all these opportunities. But basically, it, the mindset was, well, what it, what what is God's will for my life? Well, what's going to require more faith? Stay in the military and attend the Bible Institute, right? Or stay in the military, you, and if you can't, for some reason, attend that Bible Institute, use your educational benefits to get a Bible theological education from somewhere using whatever kind of school you need to, correspondence, whatever, S- stay committed to a local church, get the equipping, get trained, and then after you've got all of your education, you got everything, then maybe you can look at, to go into the ministry that you're looking to go into. But that was viewed as no, 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 no. You're not discerning God's will because God's will would re- will require you to take the path that requires sacrifice, that will require you to have more faith. What would require more faith? Get out of the military, throw away that security, throw away your health care benefits, and then God will supply your needs. Well, they supposedly took that advice and many of them were working two, three jobs to pay the bills. And out of all of the people in that class, I think one made it to the mission field and then you have me who made it into ministry. And I don't think anybody else made it into ministry. <laughs> because they, 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 they were, because now they had all of these financial issues when they were in the military, they didn't have the same financial issues. 
Now, some people say, well, that's, that's, that's script. That's not scriptural. That to me is just, no, scripture would be like, there, I mean, you could say, well, God will provide. He has already provided. They're in the military. They say, well, if I was in the military, I could only stay for, like, I, there may be, there may become a hard decision where you have to make, but you got to think it through. And people get, it turns into this subjective thing. So here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to give you some key scriptures that we've looked at so far to remind you. And then we're going to do a little bit of work on, from the curriculum on the subject of faith. And we're going to see how we can make these concepts work with a biblical understanding. So here's how it works. So our key, our thesis is for the Christian, discernment is based off God's word alone. I understand that you can say, well, outside of scripture where scripture doesn't address, what do I use to discern then? You're using reason and logic. I think we can understand that, right? But I'm saying for the Christian, our discernment is based off scripture. This is the basis. This is the premise. This is the foundation. What does God's God's word have to say in regards to this situation? Now, again, we may read it and not do it, I mean, over and over and over, we're going to discern what God has to say about all kinds of things, right? But I'm going to end up being guilty of them in some way, shape, or form. But at least we are, we are at least discerning what God has to say. We're not pretending otherwise. Now, the problem is, this is where the problem is, all right? So discernment is based off God's word. That's our, our thesis. The first conflict we come in is that we have God's word, but other things tend to motivate and drive our discernment other than God's word. And we see that in the first text that the curriculum gave us. Genesis chapter three, where we read the, where we read these words. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And the first example of discernment in the Bible is the serpent here being used by Satan. He is subtle because he's going to take this woman who's obeying God, walking with God, who can have all the trees of the garden to basically forget God Forget her walk with God, forget her fellowship with God, forget all of the other trees and focus on the tree she can't have and end up, well, we all know what she does. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not die. And here we go, verse five. For God doth know that in the days you uh, eat thereof, that your eyes will be open and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, here's the key verse I want us to take from this passage. And we've already talked about this. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. All right, discernment. Our thesis is discernment should be based off God's word alone. But the thing we combat is that while that is over and over and over in your life and my life, something tries to replace God's word. Something tries to influence us greater than the word of God. This is true in your life and true in my life. And we see how it plays out. See, what tries to replace God's word is the thing that drives our discernment, that influences us the most, is the idea of what we see. She saw that the tree was good for food. What we see, 
right? And it was pleasant to the eyes. What, what feels good, what we see, what feels good and a one and, and, and to be desired to make one wise and our own self-interest, our own pride. What we see, what we feel, and our own self-interest, our selfishness, our pride. Those three things get in the way, and they constantly, here's God's word, and what I see, what I feel, and my pride. Boom. That gets in the way, and that becomes the driving force for our discernment. We're not using God's word anymore, and then we end up in all kinds of trouble happens all the time. Because guess what? That's really the essence of our of our sinful nature, right? Our sinful nature is going to be driven by what it sees, by a feeling. Well, it's, it's a sin nature inside of you, so it's going to impact your feelings. And the sin nature is the, remember, how do I define sin? The exaltation of the eye. Sin is all about pride. That's constantly battling God's word. All right? So we must discern based off scripture alone, that's, that's what drives our discernment, right? It's scripture. Any, anything other than that, then you get to feelings, you get to emotions. And guess what? Guess what's going to come into play? What you see, what you feel, and your pride. And then you're going to be in all kinds of trouble. Now, there's discernment. There's the first text, Genesis chapter three. The second text Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? All right, now this is how it should work. Right? I'm going to use conviction in a really a, a two separate way or in a way different than obviously. Obviously, I'm going against what the curriculum is trying to do here. We discern God's word. That's what we have to do. Our job is, our discernment comes from a, think of it this way. Our discernment comes from a correct understanding of scripture. If we get scripture wrong, our discernment is wrong. So we have to get the scriptures right. We got to get the scriptures right. Then we have discernment. Now from that discernment, it's got to be correct discernment. It has to come from a correct understanding of scripture. Scripture wrong, your discernment is wrong. What should flow from a correct biblical discernment should be a conviction. And this conviction is really two ways. First, we are convicted that it is true, that it is accurate, that it is right. Remember the word conviction, I have it right here, has two definitions. A, uh, and I'm going to go with the second one first. A firmly held belief or opinion. See, our, we have to have a correct understanding of God's word so that we can have right discernment. Our discernment flows from a correct understanding of God's word, right? So we understand God's word. That leads to correct discernment. That's, discernment should lead to a firmly held belief, opinion. It, it should be, we should, we should have a conviction that it is true, that it is accurate, that it is right. So, a correct understanding is where we get biblical discernment, right? If you get the, if you get the understanding of the scriptures wrong, your discernment is wrong. What should flow from that discernment is conviction. Now, I have a firmly held belief or an opinion based off God's word. I'm convicted that this is the way it is, not because of what I feel, but because of what scripture says. All right? Let me, let me give you an example. 
I have a firmly held belief based off my understanding of scripture that God created the world, right? That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word of God says it. I, 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 that's easy to interpret. And I have a firmly held belief that he is creator. I have a firmly held belief that this creator is all knowing and all powerful. Now, guess what? That leads me to a million other philosophical problems. Wait a minute. So why would an all-knowing, all-powerful God create a world where there's going to be pain, suffering, death, rape, child molestation, starvation, hunger, war, disease, famine? No, I got problems. But no matter how much I struggle with those issues, no matter how many times I have problems with it, my discernment says, that's what the text says, and I am convicted that it is right. There, there's a conviction to it. De- correct understanding gives us a correct discernment, and what should flow from that is a conviction that it is true. Let me give you an, another example. This one bothers people, but I'll just give you an example. I, I be, based off God's word, believe God is all-powerful and all-knowing and that he is sovereign. So when tragedy strikes, and the Bible says that I'm to pray to this God, that I'm to pray, pray without ceasing, pray, right? When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. But when when there's a problem, when there's a difficulty, when there's a tragedy, my per this is me, this is inside of me, I have a problem. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want me to pray about this problem? You want me to pray to the God who obviously allowed the problem? Who didn't stop the problem? Now you want me to pray to the God? Hey, I've got cancer. Pray. You want me to pray to the God who let you get cancer? You you want me you you want me to pray to the God who allowed it? So I look. I struggle with that. I'm just going to be honest. I discern that God is all powerful. I discern that God is sovereign. I discern from Scripture, right, that I'm supposed to pray. Our correct understanding from Scripture. But I, that doesn't mean I ignore my problems. I, I, I acknowledge my problems, but my discernment leads to a conviction that this is what I'm to do. Whether I understand it or not, I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me at times. So that's, a, that's the way I use conviction. Now, this conviction is, there's another part of it. When I discern a correct understanding of God's word and I discern what it says, guess what? I will find myself over and over and over convicted by it. In other words, I am convicted that I am wrong, that my thoughts are not God's thoughts. My ways are not God's ways. My actions are not uh, in conformity to his holiness. So then I'm convicted by it. So correct understanding of God's word is discernment flows from God's word. Out of that discernment leads to a conviction, a firmly held belief or opinion that it's true, and then I am convicted because it's always going to point to a different way, a different way of thinking that goes against mine. Look, I discern that Jesus says, turn the other cheek. I discern that Jesus says, love your enemy. I discern that Jesus says, forgive them, you know, 70 times seven, bless them that would persecute you. Resist not evil. I look, I discern that right? So I'm convicted that it's true. I am also convicted by it because I know I don't do those things. I don't love my enemy. I don't always turn the other cheek. I don't always just not resist evil. There's a lot of these things I struggle with. Now I can either try to modify God's word, which then that's going to mess up my discernment, or I can ignore what I'm being convicted by, 
or I can try to change. That, that destroys discernment. Or again, what can I do? Here's God's word. Oh, I'm going to go with what I see and what I feel and my own self-interest, and I'll change it. That's what Eve did, right? What she saw, what she felt, and pride. And she, changed, and she ignored God's word. We do that all the time. So there is discernment. There is conviction. Now, that leads us to, oh, and the key word and the key verse in Acts 2. So we have uh, Genesis 3. I've given you the key verse. And Acts 2, the key verse is uh, Acts 2.37. Acts 2.37. Then this week was Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And we've talked a little bit about this this week, but I'm going to just repeat myself. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. How did they obtain a good report? By faith, not by their actions. It's by their faith. But we could get into a whole discussion there. But listen, here's I got to drive this point home. A correct understanding of God's word is essential because I'm going to discern things based off God's word. My understanding is wrong. My discernment is wrong. Once I've discerned a correct discernment that comes from God's word, I am I now have a, a, a I'm convicted. I have a, a firmly held belief and opinion. I'm going to hold to it that I believe this to be true. And then I'm going to be convicted by my own shortcomings of it and realize that it goes against everything that's inside of me. Now, where does faith come into play? This is where faith comes into play. And this is very important. Faith does not make something so. Faith grasps onto a truth that is so, whether I believe it or not, it grabs onto it, even though I cannot fully see it or I can fully understand it. Let me read Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I am convinced of God's word that it is true. For example, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. I can understand that and discern that God's word is inspired. God breathed. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction that the men of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. I can understand that, understand it, discern it. I can be convicted that It is God's word. I've got a firmly held belief. I can be convicted by the fact that it is God's word and I don't either love it or treat it the way I should. I don't treasure it. So that gets me now, where does faith come into play? Now, this is important. There are some things that the best arguments, the greatest evidence, all the proofs we think we can have, they can only get us so far, and then faith has to come in. Faith has to come into it. It's not a faith completely blind. It's a faith based off, well, God's word, based off maybe facts and evidence. But if we're honest, it can't. It can only get us so far. I cannot. And look, I've watched Christians try this nonsense in debates, and they always end up looking foolish. I'm going to prove that the Bible is the infallible, inspired, preserved word of God. It is without error. It is true. 
And then within minutes, the, the atheist or the agnostic or whoever, Bart Ehrman or whoever, usually starts destroying the Christian because they're like, well, there's this many textual variants and there's this and there's this. And we don't even know if the woman caught in adultery even belongs to the. And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And again, all you have to do is just cause a little bit of question because the, the Christian is saying, no, I'm going to prove without a shadow of a doubt that the Bible is inspired. No, you can prove without a shadow of a doubt maybe that the Bible is historically trustworthy. You may be able to prove without a shadow of the doubt that the Bible has more manuscript evidence than other historical documents. You can get so far, but you can't get all the way to 100% proving that God inspired it and that it's infallible and errant and that it's cor- it's 100% correct. You can't do that. One, we don't even have the original documents. So there's only so far you can go. Now, I think we should look at all of those evidences. I think we should research all of those evidences. We should know all of those evidences. We should do all the manuscript research, archaeological digs, historical research, everything. But it can only get me so far. Then it is by faith that I embrace what cannot be ultimately seen. I embrace that. I believe God created the world. You can see you, people try to get into all these scientific arguments trying to prove you can only get so far. You may be able to look at some scientific uh, arguments that call into question certain evolutionary th- theories, certain evolutionary principles, and I'm all for that. But just realize there's only so much you can prove because there's no way to go back and say, see, there's God creating the world. You First of all, you discern that from scripture. Now you can say, well, creation gives me an idea that there's a creator. Okay, maybe. But again, people could try to interpret that in a different way. You could go around and round and round. In other words, there's so much you can argue. There's so much, but then it comes a point, even that your discernment, your discernment, you, you're discerning from God's word, right? You're discerning from God's word. You can be convicted that it's absolutely true. But there's, and you can look for all the other evidences and I'm all for it. You can read the best books on apologetics, but it only will get you so far. And, and, but Christians are convinced that it gets them all the way. Oh, I can 100% prove that the, the, the God of the Bible created the world in six literal 24 hours. You can, you can try to make those arguments, but without fail, your argument, your evidence only gets you so far. Faith is required to go that next step. You can argue that the Bible is trustworthy, historically accurate, all the manuscripts, but you can't get all the way to proving that it's God breathed and inspired. There's just no, that there comes a point where there's only so much of our earthly logic and ideas and arguments can get, it can only get us so far. That's where faith comes in. That's where faith comes in. Now, go back to Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews 11. Now, let's see how this works. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things we are that uh, which are seen were not made of things which do appear. See, we it's only by faith that we can ultimately grasp. It's hard to try to 
you can't prove that that hey everything we see it was it was it was uh framed by the word of god there i know i could say well there has to be a creator i mean it only makes sense like i could use lots of logic and reason and maybe some scientific arguments to say well it only makes sense that something made it that an accident doesn't seem to explain in other words i can get so far but to say even this says it is by faith that we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, what we see was made by something that doesn't appear. These things came out of nothing. They were spoken into existence. I can't prove that scientifically. I may be, you may think you can get really far, but there's a limit. It is by faith. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, he being dead yet speaketh. Now we could say, well, maybe, maybe Abel discerned which sacrifice you're supposed to offer, and we could get into that whole discussion. But the text says it was ultimately because of his faith. His faith. Faith is absolutely critical. Now, if you look at the curriculum, it wants you to look at Hebrews 11, 1 through 4, then it wants you to skip down, and it wants you to go all the way down to verse 6. I'm sorry. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for uh, for before his translation, he had the testimony that he pleased God. Now, here's the key, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What? Listen, this is very important. Discernment. We want to understand God's word and discern what it says. We want that conviction. We want conviction that it is true. We want to have a firmly held opinion based off that. We want to be convicted by it that we fall short of it. But at some point, that discernment and that conviction has to have faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. You can have all the scriptural knowledge, but it must have faith. There must be a belief and an acceptance and and, and, uh, believing what you cannot ultimately see, what you cannot completely understand, what you cannot really touch. Look, I believe there is a God who's eternal, who's all-powerful, who's sovereign, who's creator. I can't see it, touch it. But I believe that faith, evidences will get me so far. All my knowledge will get me. But if I'm going to please God, there must be faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Discernment and even conviction without faith, you still will not be in a pleasing God. Why? Because it is by faith that God's righteousness, Christ's righteousness is imputed to my account. Now the text then jumps to verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Now let's refer, if you go look back to verse eight, or you have Enoch mentioned, you have Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. 
uh, all mentioned. And it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They had these promises, but they never saw them. They never saw the fulfillment of these covenant promises. They didn't see it, but they, they understood it. They saw it by faith discernment. We see what God says. We are convicted that it's true. We're convicted by our failure to live up to it. Faith. Faith gives us the ability to receive the promises, but having seen them afar off, we we are persuaded of them and embrace them. For they, for they that say, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. See, they discerned what God's word said. They discerned it, right? They were convicted by it, and they had faith, even though they couldn't see. They had faith that yes, these promises are going to come true. Faith, and because if if they wouldn't have had that faith. That discernment and conviction after a period of time that would have went right back to the land from which they came. But now they desire a better country that is in a heavenly where God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. Discernment is wonderful. We've got to have that discernment and that discernment should lead to a conviction that a firmly held belief and an opinion and in a conviction that we fall short of it. But then there has to be faith. And Christians get very nervous about, no, 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 it's not a blind faith. Like we always want to say, no, no, I can prove it. There's only so much you can prove. You just got to acknowledge it. There's so much you can prove and there's so much I don't understand. I don't understand how an all-powerful, holy, omniscient, God, who knows the beginning from the end, the author and the finisher, this God who can intervene at any time. And I'm supposed to pray to the very God who allows these horrible things. I don't understand it. Faith has to come into play. I have to believe that God is a creator. I have to believe in these promises that I have not seen. I believe in a heaven. I haven't seen it. I haven't been there. I have to believe that Jesus Christ was the eternal son of God. I've got the, I've got scripture. I can discern what it says. I can, I'm convicted that it's true, but it, I have to by faith believe he was the eternal son of God, true God, true man, and believe that he died for my sins, was buried, rose the third day and ascended to the right hand of the father for whence he will come to judge the living of the dead. There's only so much I can prove about some of that. I can prove maybe the tomb was empty. I can't prove dogmatically what happened. I can, I know what the scriptures claim, right? I I know that there's one God, three distinct persons, Co-equal, co-eternal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three in Scripture are given the attributes of deity. Well, that either means three gods, but wait a minute. The Scripture says there's only one God. Well, how can there be one God and three? Well, there's, there's three. And that it's only, I can only try to demonstrate it and understand it so far. Then faith has to come into play. The best discernment and the most and the most the the strongest conviction will not please god without faith we have to have the faith we have to embrace these things by faith 
Now, this leads us. Oh, I, wanted, I wanted to go through the curriculum. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. 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 At Victory Baptist Church. But let me give you a preview of where we're going next. And maybe tomorrow we'll get to this. Maybe we'll get here. Let me open this up. For this next coming week, again, I want you to get discernment. I want you to get conviction. I want you to get faith. I want you to understand these. For this next coming week, you're going to be looking at Exodus 34, 1 through 9. Exodus 34, 1 through 9, and you're going to focus on God's character. God's character. God's character. Now, I know what the, again, I know what the curriculum wants to do. It wants to create this kind of mystical way of discerning. But we, our thesis is discernment is based off God's word alone. And that means we have to have a correct understanding. The the quality of my discernment is the quality of my understanding of scripture. I got to know how to study it. I got to know how to read it. I got to know how to interpret it. Wrong reading, wrong uh, understanding, wrong study, wrong interpretation, wrong discernment. This discernment leads to a conviction, two parts to that conviction, a firmly held belief and opinion that what I have understood is absolutely true and then convicted by my failure to live up to it because you're always, you should always feel that conviction. Then there's, then there comes in faith. Why does there have to require faith? Because all the discernment in the world and all the understanding in the world, you still will not please God unless there is faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. But there are so many things in the scripture that I can be convicted that it's true. But I cannot firmly believe it. I can't, I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't, I, I, but guess what? By faith, I have to, I, I, I accept it. I under, I, I am able to understand and accept it as true. Now, how is God's character going to fit into this? I don't know. We'll have to see. Now, that didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to. Ah, I'm looking at the clock. It's 46 minutes. I want to I go back to the curriculum and dig into the Hebrews 11. But I can't. I spent too much time on this. But I'm going to stop right there. 34, Exodus 34, 1 through 9. That's what you're going to be focusing on starting tomorrow. Now, I know some of you are still doing the word study, and, and, and please keep doing that. But if you can make time to think about how I'm kind of trying to create like a flow chart here for you, right? And, and we, we haven't spent a lot of time on the understanding, but I hope you see a, a, a discernment just, a, you know, just talk about discernment. You have to know it comes from God's word. So therefore, there has to be an understanding of God's word. So discernment comes from God's word. Leads to a conviction, a firmly held belief or opinion something is true. Convicted by the fact that we don't live up to it. Faith comes in. And then Exodus 34. I want you to just, one through nine, and just see. Maybe we don't, maybe we decide Exodus 34, one through nine has no real connected connection to discernment. But I hope you can see how discernment, conviction, and faith, there's a link there. 
All right. I, 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 this is where I, I, uh, I wish I was sitting in an actual classroom this Saturday evening because I know someone would be like, wait, 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 what, what about this? But there's no one here, so there's no questions. And I don't know if anyone's actually listening online, but uh, there you go. And uh, I hope this is beneficial because I definitely took time out of something I was – if I had a choice, I would not have spent 43, 48 minutes here. I'd have spent 48 minutes downstairs doing something that I was supposed to be doing this evening. But – I felt that we needed to talk about this tonight. So email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We'll be back live tomorrow morning. Thesis number 10 and our study of law and gospel will be at the 10 a.m. hour. The 11 a.m. hour will probably be working on this. I don't know how. I got a couple of ideas. Um, or we may be working on baptism. I don't know. Um, but if t- 11 is mystery hour, and then 6 p.m. will probably be on baptism, uh, dealing with uh, Tertullian on baptism. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. Can't wait to hear from you. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Any questions about discernment, email them to me. We can do special episodes about it. All right, thanks for listening. God bless.